Hi, this is Jay Sweet, and you are listening to my weekly mixtape with Brian Colburn. We're about to blow your mother minds. Welcome to My Weekly Mixtape, a podcast that takes the classic mixtape approach to building a modern playlist. I'm your host, Brian Colburn. Joining me tonight as guest curator is someone who you might remember from episode 10, the 2000s punk rock episode, as well as the years we hosted Tune Styles podcast together, Mr. Jay Sweet. Jay, welcome back to the show. Hey, Brian, thanks for having me. It's great to be back and have just another great music conversation with you. Yeah, and this one is something that came about organically because about an hour and a half ago, you and I were texting back and forth about our random music nerdery like we tend to do. And we were talking about songs that we wondered if people knew were cover songs or not. Yes, because you blew my mind a few episodes back when I was listening you mentioned that Hearts Alone is actually a cover, which I had no idea at all. And with that, I said, well, gee, that would make a fantastic episode. And you responded with, why, yes, it would. I said, well, let's take an hour break here, have a bite to eat, put together a bank of songs and do this. So there has been no social media plug for this episode there has been no lead up, no build up. This is as organic as it gets. Great. And I'm looking forward to it right off the top of our heads like it used to be. Yes. Well, before we get started, I want to say that this kind of episode, songs that you didn't know were covers, could be a bit of a slippery slope because I know for a fact that listeners of my weekly mixtape range from the casual music fan to full-blown music fanatics. So there may be some songs tonight that you and I bring up that, depending on where listeners stand on that spectrum, might not be shocking to you at all, but I want the listeners to know that, at least on my side, my heart is in the right place with songs that I've brought to the table tonight. Yeah, same for me. I don't think that there's anything, you know, I have no idea that some of these were covers to begin with. And I mean, I've got a good, what, 40 songs at least. A lot of them, uh, you know, you know me, uh, very 80s centric. And we can talk about, I mean, look, to be perfectly honest, we could talk all day about how the 1950s and 60s when rock and roll was new, everyone was covering everyone else's songs because there was nothing else to do. So <laughs> we'll just... How many versions of uh, of Rock and Robin can there be? You know, right? Uh, so Mustang Sally, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, depending on what cover bands you go see on any given Saturday, somewhere right now, Mustang Sally is being played. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, let's get down to business tonight. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Jay and I will be curating a songs you didn't know were covers mixtape and we're going to use that old cassette deck approach jay is my special guest will begin side a with his first song choice and then i'll add a song that i feel best follows up that choice we'll then flip-flop choosing songs until we've mapped out 10 songs for side a we'll then give our mixtape a proverbial flip and we'll map out side b only this time i'll kick things off with jay choosing second our overall goal for the episode is to craft the best songs you didn't know were covers mixtape possible 
through only 20 songs. At the end of the show, you could take our conversation to the next level by visiting the episode page at myweeklymixtape.com to give our final mixtape a listen via the embedded playlist. Finally, if you like what you're hearing on My Weekly Mixtape, you can help me out personally by either telling a friend about the show, leaving a five-star review wherever you're tuning in, or becoming a Patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash myweeklymixtape. So with that said, Jay, I'm officially pressing the record button on our mixtape, and the floor is yours. What song did you choose to kick off side A? Well, I went back and forth on to a good way to start because there's a lot to choose from. And I could either hit it with my favorites right off the rip, or I could sneak into it. And I think I'm going to go with that route. We're going to ease right on into this with a cover that you probably, again, feel free to judge away because we talked about when rock and roll was new and different people recorded the same song over and over again. So what I'm going to start off with is Gladys Knight in the Pips, Heard It Through the Grapevine, which was actually also done by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, they shelved it. This is a great story about this song. They shelved that song, and then Gladys Knight and the Pips released their version of it. And then it was, of course, picked up by Marvin Gaye, and then Creedence Clearwater Revival. So we got a little foreplay going on there. It's a great song. I am personally a huge fan of the Creedence version because I love the swamp rock nature that they brought to it. And the fact that it goes on for 10 minutes, but doesn't feel like it does. And that is a true testament to Fogarty and what the three of them brought together musically. But all of the versions of that song are amazing. Even the California Raisins 1980-something version That's, that came out with the commercial. I had almost forgotten about that. <laughs> the Claymation version. <laughs> there were a lot of kids at our That's age right. at that time that were saying, wow, these Raisins even have their own song. <laughs> That's right. But that is a fantastic song and one that, yes, if you did not know Gladys Knight, you would not know her version was actually a cover because hers was the first one to actually show up on the scene even though the song was written and recorded prior to that that's right and even more so to the fact that it's Smokey robinson and the miracles who had or at least the miracles it's, it was recorded under the miracles so it's incredible to think that someone iconic like a Smokey robinson like the miracles got kind of trumped by gladys knight who's equal iconic in the music genre on that song definitely What I'm going to do now is follow up that vibe that you're talking about where a song is written and is released by a band and you think that it's their song when actually it is a cover. And the song that I'm choosing is going to raise some eyebrows. I think a little, a couple eyebrows, maybe, maybe. It was originally written and performed live by Joni Mitchell in 1969, and it appeared on her album Ladies of the Canyon, which came out in April of 1970. Now, the reason that this might raise eyebrows is because one month earlier, in March of 1970, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young released the Deja Vu album. And that album contained the song Woodstock. 
and Woodstock was originally written and performed by Joni Mitchell, but because of label shenanigans, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Youngs came out one month earlier, making the original songwriter seem like it's a cover version, which I think is hysterical. And this is 1970. This is pre-internet. This is pre-MTV. This is radio airplay only. We're talking here. Right. Another interesting thing about this song that ties it into I Heard It to the Grapevine is that in 1970, there were four versions of this song that were released. The other two versions released in that same year, British band Matthews Southern Comfort released a version in July of 1970 after they got a huge reception to a live rendition they performed on the BBC network. So they went and tracked a studio single. And then the assembled multitude recorded an instrumental version of the song later in 1970 as one of those, do you know, in like the seventies, they would put out these instrumental versions of the Beatles and all these different albums. This was a bunch of different songs. Yeah. And this version has like a James Bond feel to it. It's a really wild instrumental version, but Woodstock was a single four different times in 1970 and if for the people that know the crosby stills nash and young version are right to assume that they're the first ones because it's the first one released when in fact it is a cover song and you mentioned it was written by Joni mitchell right originally yes yes and they just got they got the, the recording first again you mentioned record company shenanigans that's going to come up a lot in this episode i think oh definitely yeah and this is one of those things where I mean, look, a good song is a good song. And obviously, there's no denying the power of Joni Mitchell's songwriting. And everybody knew it. Everybody knew she had the magic touch when it came. And that is why people from America and in London, where everybody was trying to get their hands on this song because it spoke to the time. And she is one of the premier songwriters of that era. Yes. And iconic. Again, uh, we're going to probably overuse that word like we usually do, but she's an amazing songwriter and, you know, her contribution to the music scene echoes through today, which uh, is it's the longstanding stuff that she's done all the way through Big Yellow Taxi with Counting Crows and, and, and Vanessa Carlton. Yeah. And, and a lot of people didn't realize that was a cover either. So. <laughs> That's but right. that might be one where a lot of the younger people didn't realize it was a cover, whereas our parents sure. at the time immediately said, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, and I think we're gonna that, that's going to be pointed out a lot here is, is some of this stuff is going to be obvious to people uh, of a different generation than it would be to, say, my kids. Or exactly, kids. yes. It's definitely a generational gap here. Whereas certain songs that you and I might know as covers because we were around for the originals or our parents in in this instance of Woodstock, younger people who maybe are hearing it for the first time might have no idea. So I think that's kind of an interesting spin on this as well. Excellent point. All right. Gladys Knight and the Pips, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. What do you got for track three, Jay? Let's keep going in this uh, this little uh, groove that we've got going, this 60s, 70s groove that we've got going. A lot of heavy metal fans will, will recognize this next song by Judas Priest. Diamonds and Rust was originally written by Joan Baez, and it was a song actually about 
her relationship with Bob Dylan. It's a great song. And Judas Priest has several because you scooped me on the band. I had the Green Manalishi on my list, which was originally recorded by Fleetwood Mac. But a lot of people nice. knew the Judas Priest version was kind of their introduction to it. And then there are other versions of Judas Priest songs where it's a little more obvious, like their cover of Johnny Be Good. Right. And this one, I mean, how would you not know? You listen to a song like that, uh, Diamonds and Rust, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is definitely some British metal, British steel. Here we go. And uh, yeah, nope, that came out of the uh, straight out of the 60s with John Baez. All right. Now, coming out of Judas Priest. Now, I kind of want to lean into that hard rock side you're going with here. And I think I'm going to go with one that might be a little bit obvious for this episode. But I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't know this as a kid when I was rocking out to Quiet Riot in the early 80s. I had no idea that Come On, Feel the Noise was originally recorded by Slade in 1973 as a non-album single. So following up Judas Priest, Diamonds and Rust, I am going with Quiet Riots, Come On, Feel the Noise. One of those anthemic songs, and I'll be honest, when I listen to the Slade version and I listen to the Quiet Riot version, Sans Kevin DeBrow's amazing vocals i mean one of a kind vocal delivery he had the rock voice that mm -hmm. so many people just dream to be able to nail with such ease he was such a one-of-a-kind talent the slade version there's not so much difference in the song quiet riot didn't reinvent the wheel with it they just played it as they would play any quiet riot song maybe it might have a little bit more oomph and a little bit more energy but the Slade version is heavy as hell as well. Absolutely. And I got to tell you, so you scooped me, of course, there with Quiet Riot. Quiet Riot, for all intents and purposes, could be considered a Slade cover band. Because <laughs> uh, not only was Come On, Feel the Noise a Slade song, but I believe Mama, We're All Crazy Now was also a Slade song. And that's the one I had on my list. Yeah. I, I mean, Slade, when you talk about underrated rock bands of all time Slade has to be in that conversation absolutely all right so how do I follow uh we've made a terrific jump here from Gladys Knight to Pips and 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 Joni Mitchell to Diamonds and Rust and now uh Quiet Riot so let's stay on that heavier side that rock and roll side and let's talk about how much we love rock and roll as Joan Jett or should I tell you the Arrows had once uh, told us back in the day. That's, again, I grew up in the 80s, and, you know, Joan Jett was fierce on the scene. She's one of my favorite artists of all time, and I would never have known that I Love Rock and Roll was a cover. I did not know that as a kid. My parents did. So I knew that little tidbit of information a little younger than most. But Joan Jett did a lot of covers back in that yes. era. Because if you think of her cover of Crimson and Clover, right? she did Dirty Deeds, which the entire album that was from was nothing but cover songs. So there were a lot of cover songs sprinkled in the mix of Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Obviously the most iconic, I Love Rock and Roll when I listen to the Arrows version, I'll be honest, it is 
probably the closest note for note rendition of a cover that I have on my list tonight. Because when you listen to the Arrows version musically, it sounds very similar to what Joan Jett and the Blackhearts did. It just doesn't have Joan Jett's growl and snarl to it, which is what I think really set the two apart. Definitely. And it's more that she brought it to life across the pond, as it were, and had just brought that intensity that Joan brings to every record that she does. Well, I am going to continue leaning into this with one that I did not know for the longest time was a cover song. And it was originally recorded by someone called Jake Holmes in 1967 for his debut album, The Above Ground Sound of Jake Holmes. A year later, a band called The Yardbirds reworked the song with a new arrangement and included it on their Yardbirds 68 album, which was produced by the one and only Jimmy Page, who then took this song dazed and confused to Led Zeppelin. And the rest is history. Even though Jake Holmes version still has that psychedelic trippiness to it, Led Zeppelin's became the definitive version of the song to the fact that people didn't even know it was a cover for such a long time. Yeah, until he sued them. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It just became (laughs) the version of the song. And that's something that when you create a cover that completely eclipses the original to the point that people, I don't want to say forget, but people, yeah, that's the only word I could use, that they forget the original even existed. And now granted, there's a gray area here because Jake Holmes' version has different lyrics, but... When you listen to the two back-to-back, it's very obvious that Led Zeppelin's version is a cover. Yep. And when when you say to somebody, dazed and confused, the first band they say is Led Zeppelin. They don't say Jake Holmes. And there's a reason for that. And they don't even say the Yardbirds. Right. And Yardbirds did have Jimmy Page in it, but still, it wasn't Robert Plant's vocal delivery, which again, that separated it from the Yardbirds version and separated it from the Jake Holmes version. And I I feel like this one for classic hard rock fans might be a little, come on, Brian and Jay, I know this was a cover, but for the casual music fan, they might be surprised by this one. So this one I had in my list as a possibility to use, but coming out of Quiet Riot and Joan Jett, I felt like it was the perfect time to squeeze this one in. Awesome. A great pick. Let's dial it back into some funky rock and roll here. I'm going to talk a little bit about something you you had touched on a little while ago was uh, Fleetwood Mac. And if you had asked me a few weeks ago, <laughs> even, if you say the words Black Magic Woman, your thoughts are Carlos Santana. That's not true. Originally, Fleetwood Mac recorded Black Magic Woman, and then Carlos got his hands on it, and uh, oh boy. I just lost, uh, who's the, the vocalist for that record? Greg Raleigh from, from Journey. Greg Raleigh, yep. From Journey, that's right. So Greg Raleigh threw his vocals at it and really laid out that really cool pipe organ in the beginning of it, and just magic happened. Fleetwood Mac was always an amazing band, even in their earlier era before the Knicks-Buckingham phase. 
And people tend to forget that, but that's why bands like Judas Priest were covering the Green Manalishi and Santana was covering Black Magic Woman. They had that <laughs> magic, whatever you want to call it, that lightning in a bottle. And no matter who was part of Fleetwood Mac, every one of their eras was iconic. And I think that is a testament to Mick Fleetwood having his finger on the pulse of music throughout all the iterations of the band, even into the 80s when they dialed into the AOR sound for the late right. 80s, Little Lies. They they knew how to keep their finger on the pulse and stay relevant decade after decade after decade. And I think while Santana's version is the definitive version, Fleetwood Max is still incredible. Absolutely. All right. So following that up, I'm going to bring in a song that, kind of has an asterisk next to it because for all intents and purposes, a majority of people didn't know this song had an original version until some 27 years after its initial quote unquote release. Paul Pena wrote and recorded this song for his 1973 album, new train. However, because of a, here we go again, dispute between him and his label, new train did not, see the light of day in record store shelves until the year 2000. However, through New Train's producer, Steve Miller heard the song and recorded it in 1975 during his Fly Like an Eagle album sessions and eventually released it on his 1977 album, Book of Dreams. And that song is Jet Airliner. That is so good to hear that i didn't even know again that's that riff that guitar riff that opening that is iconic to me and that is steve miller but it was written by paul pena and his version is very similar to steve miller bands it still has that bluesy rock feel to it although lyrically steve miller's is a little different i went and got the new train album and the entire album is incredible. And it's one of those lost records that you go back and listen and you go, how the hell was this guy not more popular? And obviously the scene knew it because Steve Miller would not have covered the song if he didn't feel what right. Pena was putting out. And to me, this song is one of those examples right. that when you hear Jet Airliner on classic rock radio, you immediately go, oh, this is a Steve Miller band song. But when I found out that it was a cover and I first heard Paul Pena's version, it blew my friggin' mind. And I'm hoping it's blowing somebody's mind that's listening right now. Oh, 100%. That's blowing my mind. <laughs> well, all right. So where do we go from Jet Airliner? Hmm. All right. So let's do it this way. So let's talk about a little movie called Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And I think just by announcing the title of that movie, I think you know exactly where I'm going with this. <laughs> 100%. Now, Kiss is not actually unknown to the cover songs uh, realm either. But this song uh, was reworked by, uh, originally done by Argent and Russ Ballard, which is, again, no stranger to the Kiss catalog. Russ Ballard's contributions to the Kiss catalog are, are numerous. But it used to be the lead singer of a band called Argent, uh, which is most well known for their song, Hold Your Head Up. 
But if you were to listen to a great tune, God gave rock and roll to you. And then Kiss redid it as God gave rock and roll to you too for the Bill and Ted movie. Which I'll be honest, I didn't know that it was a cover when Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey came out. I learned about it because I was a nerd opening up the J cards and reading through the cassette liner notes. And I'm like, what's this Russ Ballard name next to Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons? What's going on here? (laughs) But I I love that song and coming out. It's it's very anthemic. I mean, I could see why Kiss did it. And then obviously thinking about the movie soundtrack and thinking about Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, it really is the perfect song for that movie regardless of who wrote it originally. And I absolutely love the pick and the close outside a, I am going to go with something you mentioned right at the top of the show, Jay, you spoiled it at the beginning, but for those that don't know, originally recorded by I 10 for their 1983 album, taking a cold look, I am going with hearts alone because it is an anthemic side closer. And I need to continue that energy from God gave rock and roll to you. And how else can you do that besides Anne Effin Wilson and her amazing vocals? There is no other way. And that's a great way to close out this tape for sure. Now that song was also a double cover because after I 10's version, it was also recorded prior to heart by actress Valerie Stevenson and actor John Stamos, yes, Uncle Jesse from Full what? House, for the CBS show Dreams. And there is a YouTube video that I am going to embed on this page on myweeklymixtape.com so you could see John Stamos and Valerie Stevenson doing their take on, yes, I'm just going to say it, Hearts song alone. <laughs> That's because right. Heart made it their song it is i tend i i look i love i tend for writing it i thank them for it but it's heart song it's forever heart song to me they could never have brought the again i i spoke of the energy and the intensity that you know that that artists bring to these covers and you cannot match what ann wilson brings to the table in any capacity i mean to the point where we we've discussed on several occasions the tribute to Led Zeppelin with Robert Plant and uh, Jimmy Page in the audience doing Stairway to Heaven with an orchestra and a choir behind her is just mind-blowing. And it's, you know what? That could have been a hard song. What do I know? She's amazing. I will say this. I truly, in my heart of hearts, think that that version of Stairway to Heaven is in my top three greatest cover songs of all time. I have to agree with you. I mean, every time I watch that video, the hair on my arm stands up and you get that lump in your throat when the chorus at the end, when she's hitting the high notes, you see Robert Plant crying and you're sitting there going like, man, who's chopping onions around me as I'm watching this on my computer? What is this lump in my throat? Like this is not, it was just so powerful and it was such a moment. And I'm not a huge live performance like, you know, recorded live album. Like, I, I'm a studio versions guy, but that version is absolute perfection, period. End of story. And end of side one. There you go. And there you have it, folks. Side A of our songs you didn't know were cover songs. Mixtape, which kicked off with Gladys Knight and the Pips. 
I heard it through the grapevine originally by Smokey Robinson in the Miracles, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young's Woodstock originally by Joni Mitchell, Judas Priest's Diamonds and Rust originally by Joan Baez, Quiet Riots, Come On, Feel the Noise originally by Slade, Joan Jett and the Black Hearts, I Love Rock and Roll originally by The Arrows, Led Zeppelin's Dazed and Confused originally by Jake Holmes, Santana's Black Magic Woman, originally by Fleetwood Mac, Steve Miller Band's Jet Airliner, originally by Paul Pena, Kisses God Gave Rock and Roll to You Too, originally by Argent, and Hearts Alone, originally by I-10. Head over to MyWeeklyMixtape.com to hear all of the songs we've discussed through the embedded playlist, and that includes both the cover songs and the original versions that you may have not known were original versions hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Now, Jay, before we flip this proverbial mixtape over to side B, do you think we've left some jaws on the ground with this first batch of 10 songs? Maybe a couple. Like I said, this is it's going to be generational. It's going to be, um, you know, my my parents were young, wouldn't have necessarily known that Dazed and Confused. I don't even think that my dad knows Dazed and Confused is. He's, you know, big band musician and was very much into uh, jazz and and big band swing. So 
not very much of a rock and roll fan, but he, you know, my mom was into all the country music and everything else. She was the pop side of things for me. So, yeah, I mean, but your parents, to your point, your parents knew that some of these songs were covers and then pointed that out to you like the arrows. So it's anybody's guess at this point. Judge away if you must, but some of those caught me off guard. And I know that uh, when we get into side two, I'm sure there'll be more that you're going to say, how did you not know that that was a cover? In fact, we can lead into that right now. When I was listening to your interview with Billy Gibson talking about Huey Lewis in the news, Do You Believe in Love was a cover. And that was my, that is my all-time favorite Huey Lewis in the news song. Because it's a Huey Lewis in the news song. You had no idea about the original, huh? Not a clue. Well, then with that, I will take that lead and I will start side B with that song. There you go. Because I want people to go back and listen to episode 23, the ultimate Huey Lewis in the news playlist featuring Bill Gibson, the band's drummer. I'd rather you hear the story from his mouth versus mine. But long story short, it was originally recorded by Supercharge in 1979 for their album Body Rhythm and their lead singer, some guy named Robert John Mutt Lang is the one who submitted the track to Huey Lewis in the News. And if you know music in the 80s, Mutt Lang is all over the decade. Oh, for sure. And he knew what a hit song was. And obviously so, because Do You Believe in Love is just that. And yes, when I first found out that that was a cover, because you cannot find that version on Spotify, I was like, are you kidding me? There's just no way. There is no way. And it's the same thing with Heart and Soul, the other Huey Lewis in the news hit. Because that was, I had both of the songs sitting in my bank because those are both cover songs. And I had no idea. And we talk about both of them. So instead of going deeper into Huey Lewis in the news, I would rather the mixtapers go back and check out episode 23 because it's much better coming out of Bill Gibson's mouth than it is mine. So kicking off side B, Huey Lewis in the News, Do You Believe in Love, originally by Supercharge. Beautiful, beautiful. That was a beautiful segue. I set you up nicely for that Yeah, one. thank you. You lobbed it, and I just <laughs> figured I'd take the swing. That's right. That's how it works. That's how it works. Like minds, we share a brain, right? Or at least a cell. <laughs> yes. Uh, whatever, whatever's left of the, after the 90s. All right. We started off with some uh, Huey Lewis in the News. We're talking about believing in love, and let's stay in the love vein. Everybody knows... A little movie Ghost with Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze, the late, great Patrick Swayze, and that iconic scene where we got clay everywhere. And man, I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, <laughs> but the song that was playing in the background of that scene was Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers. That was, as far as I was aware, and my, uh, you know, I was a big fan of the Righteous Brothers, that was their song. But it was, in fact, not their song. The original, again, when I talked about earlier, the rock and roll was new and kind of everybody had a version of everybody else's song at one point or another in the, in the 50s and the early 60s. This song was originally done by Les Baxter in 1955, and then it was covered by three other artists before falling into Bill Medley and Bobby Hatfield's hands. That song, honestly, is the Righteous Brothers to me. They, like Hearts Alone, made the definitive version. But when you go back and listen to the others, you go, wow, that, you know, 
I mean, at the end of the day, an amazingly written song is an amazingly written song. And Unchained Melody might be one of the greatest love songs ever. For sure. It's just so timeless. Because think about this. Ghost came out. Was that in the late 80s or early 90s? Good question. I want to say early 90s. Oh, actually, I, I just Googled it while you were thinking. Uh, it was 1990. See, I am not there a movie go. guy, so I do have to cheat when it comes to that stuff. So I sure. was kind of right. 1990, depending on who you ask, could still be the end of the 1980s. So, <laughs> <laughs> But again, that is several decades after the original. And it still felt real in the 90s. Absolutely. Think about this. Boys to Men did their version of In the Still of the Night originally by the five satins and it's still because of unchained melody there was that kind of era where in the early 90s old doo-wop felt modern again it kind of did that full circle movement where the old sound sounded fresh and new again so to me unchained melody did that because of the use in ghost and pivoting out of that i just want to go with this next song it's a total 180 i'm just blowing the playlist up here but i have to be honest this is one that i recently learned was a cover song and the only tie that it can have to unchained melody and do you believe in love is that it involves love in some sort that's the only tie because i'm going into a completely different genre here and one that we haven't touched on yet for the most part and that is country music In 1991, a band called the Marcy Brothers wrote and released a song called Don't Tell My Heart. And it didn't really go anywhere. And then a year later, a man with a purpose and a mullet changed the face of country radio and took achy, breaky heart to the top of every chart there ever was. Billy Ray Cyrus, achy, breaky heart is a cover song originally recorded as Don't Tell My Heart by the Marcy Brothers. What tie does that have to Huey Lewis in the news? Do you believe in love and the Righteous Brothers Unchained Melody? None. But this one shocked me that it was a cover, so I'm hoping it's shocking somebody listening right now. <laughs> well, I, I got to tell you, I worked uh, in country radio right around the time that the, that song was climbing its way up the charts. And so I knew that that one was a cover, but I had never heard the original. So all I knew, because country music and I don't get along very well. <laughs> there's, I don't think there's any other way to put that. I, we're not friends. Um, <laughs> so, but I did, I did a quick stint, for those of you who knew me from way back, know that I worked in country radio at Country 108 in Syracuse, New York, right around the time with Garth Brooks blew up and Martina McBride and Faith Hill and Billy Ray Cyrus was, was another one of those artists. And I'll tell you what, I kind of dog on country music, but there are a few songs out that are, have been released that are out there that I'm like, you know what? That is a good song. And I'm sorry, a good song is a good song. We've said it all. Since our tune styles days, words by heart is probably one of those. Oh yeah. Just take you back to high school. And uh, yeah, I remember I found the letter that you wrote me that, that broke my heart. Like, (laughs) and you slipped it in my letterman's jacket. You, you know, okay. (laughs) But let me go back and since it's my turn to pick the next song here, I'm going to go ahead and stay in the country music vein, believe it or not. 
And actually, we could talk about All for One being a John Michael Montgomery cover band for the most part. But (laughs) one of my favorite songs growing up because of my mom was a song by Juice Newton called Angel of the Morning. And it had such a a beautiful melody and just the haunting music behind it, the way that the arrangement was behind it. But that went on to be covered by Chrissy Hinde, The Pretenders, and I think it featured on Friends, did it not? Let's just say my wife being the biggest Friends fan that I know personally would be very upset with me if I didn't give that a resounding yes. So, yeah. (laughs) There you go. Well, it was originally recorded by Evie Sands in 1967, and I had no idea who Evie Sands even was. I I grew up with the Juice Newton version, and that version is my version because, because my mom. So I had no idea, and I went back and thought, oh, all right, Evie Sands, 1967. And it is a beautiful, it's still just, it's a gorgeous song. It's one of my favorite songs. And then obviously you have to fast forward a few years because Shaggy had Angel, which lifted that same melody. That's right. For his reggae version. That song, again, just kept coming back and back. That's right. Why? Because it's so damn addictive. And if you think about it, if you listen to that song, the bass line fits in perfectly with the Joker by Steve Miller Band, the boom boom, that's right, boom and Leaving Las Vegas by Cheryl Crow, and that is why Blues Traveler used to cover that song and mash them all together because of the way they flow so nicely into each other. You're kidding? Yes, yes, so they I got, did. I got a funny story about that. So this is actually how I found out that Unchained Melody was a cover, with the the Righteous Brothers version was a cover. I was working with a band called Street Corner fronted by the amazing Jimmy Mitchell um, in Syracuse, New York, and, and just a five-piece acapella doo-wop group. And they sat and they did the whole finger-snapping, toe-tapping, and doo-wop thing with the ooh and the vocal harmonies behind it in five-part harmony. It was beautiful. And when I would fill in for one of the singers, every once in a while I'd come out from behind the soundboard and kind of became the honorary sixth member of Street Corner 5. Then they started doing... Angel by Shaggy, and then riffed into Joker by Steve Miller, and then riffed into Leaving Las Vegas by Sheryl Crow. I can't believe that that Blues Traveler did that. That's funny. Yeah, it's an awesome, awesome tune. And obviously, look, you're you're going G C D for mm-hmm. a chord progression. It's they're not rewriting the book, but it's just right. such a perfect progression. Oh, for sure. Following up Juice Newton, I want to go with another female artist here. So I'm going to go with a song that was originally recorded in 1993 by a Danish singer named Liz Sorensen. And the song was called Brant, which is Danish for burnt. Then a year later, two of the original songwriters, Scott Cutler and Annie Previn, recorded another version of this song in 1994 with their band Edna Swap. And then in 1996, American-Norwegian singer Trine Rain recorded a version of this song. None of those three versions really hit big, but obviously somebody out there knew that this song was destined to be massive. And finally, in 1997, Natalie Imbruglia released her version of the song, which became the de facto go-to version of Torn. It took an uh, Italian-Australian to figure out how to make that song pop. 
Yeah, and that song exploded, and that was all you heard on radio for all of 1997. And if you want another laugh, head over to myweeklymixtape.com because I pu- I'm going to post a comedy skit by David Armand along with Natalie Imbruglia. David Armand is the comedian who takes songs and he mimes them with his hands and facial expressions. And it is hysterically funny. And Natalie Imbruglia is singing the song live as he's performing it, kind of mimicking <laughs> whatever's happening in the song he's doing with his hands and facial expressions. I do the song no justice by explaining it, but the video is absolutely no, hysterical. Listen, I've never seen this video, but I'm, I'm seeing it in my head unfold as you're saying it. And it's funny. I'm going to check that out for sure. Definitely. So Natalie Imbruglia is torn following up Angel of the Morning. All right. Well, let's stay in Italy then. Not that Natalie was in Italy, but she was Italian in Australia. Very weird. What are you going to do? little song by uh, a young lady who unfortunately once again left us too soon. Miss Laura Branigan had a very famous song called Gloria, which was originally an Italian song. So it took Laura Branigan to translate that song into English originally by Umberto Tozzi and Giancarlo Bagazzi. And they terrible uh, Italian. Jay. Uh, terrible. It's terrible. Terrible. Uh, it was translated into English by Jonathan King. And in 1982, Miss Branigan recorded that song and it just went up to number two on the charts two, two, making it, you know, the worldwide sensation that it is. And I'll tell you again, how I found out that that was a cover was we're eating at our favorite place, Paisano's on Mulberry street in New York city. And I'm hearing this familiar melody coming through the speakers in the kitchen. And I thought to myself, Oh, that's cool. Somebody, uh, Italian covered, Laura, Laura Brannigan's song. <laughs> and uh, no, no, I had it the other way around. So very, very cool. Very interesting. And the original, if you don't speak Italian, the original has a poetry to it that a lot of the romance language kind of contains that doesn't necessarily translate when you translate it to an English language or, or a Germanic language like English. But it's such a, it flows so beautifully in the native tongue. All right. Well, Coming out of Laura Branigan, I'm going to stay in the 80s, I think, and go with another massive, massive hit. But the original was a song by a different name, and it was more of a rock song. The original song was called Kitty, and the band was called Racy, and they recorded the song for their 1979 album Smash and Grab. However, it took Tony Basil adding in the Oh Mickey You're So Fine chants and changing the name of the song to Mickey to make it the worldwide smash that it is. Tony Basil's Mickey is a cover song. Changed some of the lyrics a little bit, but when you go back and listen to Racy's version, you really have to question how the hell the original wasn't a hit because it's just as infectious. I just don't think... Actually, you know, scratch that. I think I know why Racy's wasn't massively popular and Tony Basil's was. And it's three letters, MTV. Well, sure. Right place, right time. Exactly. Because the original song, to me, is just as good, but there wasn't that video. That iconic early MTV video. And I think that's why this song kind of gets overlooked as a cover song. So 
again, I don't know if this one is a holy crap, that's a cover moment. But when I first heard the original, I'm going, when did a rock band do a version of Mickey? And then like the nerd I am, I did some research and found out Mickey was the cover version. That's pretty cool. And uh, so Tony Basil was kind of Paula Abdul before Paula Abdul, right? She was a choreographer. Or yeah. She was a dancer. And uh, I, I remember that. And then she had that one hit. And then she did a movie, Once Bitten, with Jim Carrey, right? Yes, yes. But the thing is, I think when people go back and hear the original, without the chanting, I feel like they're going to be like, something's missing. But right. it's actually, at its core, like we've talked about throughout the night, a fantastic song. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially for pop music. Because look, if it wasn't for Mickey... Weird Al Yankovic doesn't have Ricky on his first right. album, which kind of helped propel him as too, because his music video, again, got airplay. I mean, it wasn't to the level of Eat It, but still, this is kind of where he knew that there was something about the song or else he wouldn't have parodied it. That's right. And speaking of Eat It, let's go ahead and stay in the 80s and talk about the cover uh, of, of that wholly original song that Michael Jackson did a parody of called Beat It. <laughs> For those of you who haven't seen Weird Al's documentary movie, uh, you wouldn't get that joke. But it's uh, for, for us true Weird Al nerds, that one killed. <laughs> yeah, go, go watch Weird. It was nominated, rightly so, so for many, many awards, deservingly so. Daniel Radcliffe is amazing. Rain Wilson as Dr. Demento. So funny. So many good points in that movie. But in all honesty, let me stay in the 80s. And, and I talked a little bit about off the top about how I went back and forth between the Gladys Knight and the Pips and one of my favorite artists of all time ever, hands down. I'm going to insert that here because a group called the Spinners were uh, popular yacht rock staples, right? The Spinners uh, had a great song called Working My Way Back to You, Forgive Me Girl. And that song originally was by Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Yes. And not a lot of people knew that. It was a kind of a mashup, like the Nylons Kiss Him Goodbye when they did that song in 87. It's a great song. That was one that I knew was a cover growing up because my parents used to take me to car shows all the time growing up. Mm -hmm. Yep. So at the car shows, it was all the older muscle cars and they always had doo-wop and 50s music yep. and 60s music playing. So I heard a lot of Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. So when I heard the Spinners version, I was able to put two and two together at a younger age. But had I not been kind of introduced to that scene, if you will, I would have never known. Oh, for sure. And like I said, I grew up on Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. Frankie Valley has one of those voices for me that I could only hope someday that I could have imitated. And still to this day, I, I yeah, just that, yeah, just close, just that close. But I knew, of course, because uh, I had known Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. To your point, go to car shows, state fair, got to meet Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons was amazing. Got to introduce him to uh, one of the state fairgrounds in New York State. We got to introduce him on the uh, Cole Muffler Court at the time and it was a dream come true to just to meet him and this was before jersey boys before the sopranos when he just gets whacked in the worst way <laughs> but yeah he is one of my all-time favorites and that group shaped my musical influence 
having heard that through my dad's cover band, the professors, when I was little, um, they would do that in, uh, run around Sioux. So I knew all that do up stuff from that. And that's how I got to where I am in my musical career now. Awesome. Awesome. I am struggling. I have one song left and I have three songs. I'm literally staring at on my screen, but I want to go with one that might actually surprise people might. And because we've been kind of swaying around the eighties here, I feel like musically this is going to fit. So this song was originally recorded by Gloria Jones in 1965 as the B-side to her single, My Bad Boy's Coming Home. The single was a commercial flop, which means the B-side was a commercial flop. But then fast forward to the 80s and Soft Cell covered that B-side and turned it into an international smash, Tainted Love. Until recently, I was not aware that Tainted Love was a cover. I thought that was Soft Cell's original. So, wow. Yeah, that I feel like that's one that because the cover was not a massive hit and a B-side, when you go back and listen to Gloria Jones' version, oh my God, it's like Motown. And you hear the song and you think to yourself, this really works as a soul song. So oh, yeah. it made it made me respect Soft Cell's rendition of it even more because they really changed the musical landscape of that song because the two sound like they're from completely different cinematic universes, musically <laughs> speaking. Sure. But yet it's the same song. That's incredible. And again, Soft Cell with uh, late 1981 with synth pop coming into play and really taking that Motown sound Again, right place, right time. I, I think that Soft Cell capitalized on that new wave synth, second wave British invasion kind of stuff and really sold it, really, really helped with the launch of MTV. Well, Jay, I now get to pass it to you to close us out for the night. And this is going to be tough because we've been sitting in the 80s, but I still have a ton of songs on my list here. I do that too. There, there's a volume two just waiting in the wings Absolutely. for this one. Here we are, up to number one on our final countdown. <laughs> this song is going to, I'm telling you, my jaw hit the floor when I found this out. The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston, covered by Miss Randy Watson and Sasha Toplin, was actually a cover of a George Benson song, Believe It or Not. See, when you said Whitney Houston, I figured you were going for I Will Always Love You, the cover of Dolly Parton's smash country hit because of your little knowledge of country music. But that is, right. a, that is a good pick because I have not heard George Benson's original. I will not lie. And it's, it's very different that Whitney putting her stamp on it. It's, uh, you know, that is exactly what made it the iconic song that it is to the where it was lampooned in pop culture all over the place. Yeah, I was going to say, there is, a, there is a reason when Whitney Houston puts her stamp on something, she just takes it. She's like, it's mine. Because Dolly Parton is one of the most recognizable voices in music history. Is that a stretch to say? Not at all. And Whitney took her song, which I Will Always Love You was a 
hit twice on mm-hmm. country radio for Dolly Parton in the 70s and in the 80s because of the re-recording for the Best Little Whorehouse in Texas soundtrack. Texas. Yep. And yet, when that song came out, I don't remember a single person in the 90s telling me, hey, did you ever hear the Dolly Parton version? It was just, did you hear the new Whitney Houston song? Mm-hmm. And that was what she did to songs that she sang. Very much the way when Ann Wilson sings a song, she makes it her own. Whitney does her thing and makes it her own. So I think a perfect bookend to close out side two of the ultimate songs you did not know were covers playlist, which kicked off with Huey Lewis in the news. Do you believe in love originally by supercharge the righteous brothers unchained melody originally by Les Baxter, Billy Ray Cyrus, achy breaky heart originally by the Marcy brothers, juice Newton angel of the morning originally by Evie Sands Natalie and Bruley is torn originally by the songwriters in Edna Swap. Laura Branigan's Gloria, originally by Giancarlo Bagazzi and Umberto Tozzi. Tony Basil's Mickey, originally by Racy. The Spinners, Working My Way Back to You, originally by Frankie Valli in The Four Seasons. Soft Cell's Tainted Love, originally by Gloria Jones. And Whitney Houston's The Greatest Love of All, originally by George Benson. Remember to head to myweeklymixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the embedded playlist. And that includes both the cover songs and the original versions that you may have not known were original versions. Jay Sweet, as always, this has been a blast. Thank you for joining me on the show, and I'm looking forward to our next episode together. Thanks for having me back, Brian. Remember, you can find My Weekly Mixtape on almost all of the social media haunts at my Weekly Mixtape. You can also head to MyWeeklyMixtape.com to check out the full catalog of My Weekly Mixtape episodes. Finally, if you like what you're hearing on the show, you can help me out by either telling a friend about the show, leaving the show a five-star review wherever you're tuning in, or becoming a Patreon mixtaper at Patreon.com forward slash My Weekly Mixtape. That's all for this week. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, enjoy the tunes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 